you want to bring out the best in Michael, tell him he can't do something. Or he can't do it as good as somebody else. And uh, I think that he takes it as a personal challenge to go out and do it just to prove you wrong. This is the Creative Coaching Podcast with Mike Lopez, where we showcase coaches, leaders, influencers, journeys, and experiences so you can be inspired and work to get better every day. Follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47, on IG at Creative Coaching Podcast. Listen on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, rate and review. We really appreciate that. So here we go. Today's guest is Brett Putz. Coach Putz is the head coach at Des Moines Area Community College, who just recently won the JUCO National Championship. We talked to him today about how to treat people right, cut out bad habits, and how to serve others. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm a big podcast listener and uh, have followed along with yours uh, and know a few of your guests that you've had on myself and have really enjoyed there. So I, I really appreciate it. It's an honor. Coach, I'm, you know what? Having you on is an honor. You just came off of a huge national championship uh, victory uh, with the Moans area community college at the JUCO level. And that is such a coveted title. So to have you on is, is a real blessing and a real honor. And so, man, I, I just want to thank you for taking the time. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Man. I, I really appreciate it. All right, coach, we're going to open up like I do every episode in that. How are you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of Forest City, Iowa? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Like I was always into sports as a kid. Um, and then, you know, I played all of them at the end of the day, just kind of like any small-town kid. And then all of a sudden, just really started to love love basketball. I was obviously, you know, okay at it um, and, and got better. But living in, in, uh, in, you know, the Midwest in the winter, like, I'm not going – it's cold outside. Like, I can't really play football too much outside. And um, my dad was the elementary principal, so we could go up to the gym and, um, you know, just kind of really started to fall in love with the game, you know, in middle school. Know, more than anything um with stuff just being able to go up to the gym by myself and shoot and just kind of was a relief uh from everything that was going on that was kind of where i could be by myself and, and, and get jump shots up or you know do all this other stuff that we all do as kids as far as you know pretending to hit game winners and, and you know playing you know one on zero against other people and, and those type of things so yeah um yeah man i just was kind of introduced to it in a, in a small empty gym that's great, man. You know, uh, you talk about your dad being a principal. Like, I'm a principal. And my kids, they don't understand the great advantage it is to have to your dad having the keys to the gym. And so they'll understand There's it. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, they'll understand there, it soon. For the time, there wasn't a gym in Forest City that I couldn't get into yeah. or didn't have keys to. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was great. And, and as I got into college, they cracked down a little bit more uh, from a security standpoint. And it got taken away a little bit more. And it's like, it, it, you just really uh, you know, remember how nice it was. That's great, man. That's pure. That's pure stuff, if you ask me. Like, just a fantastic situation. Now, 
I want to ask you about your experience as a player. You know, you said you weren't that great, but you got better. But I want to know your experience as far as how you saw the game, how you were coached, all that. Like, what was your perspective on the game of basketball coming up as a player? Yeah, um, I was always a point guard, and I, I was really lucky to have some really, really good coaches uh, and probably some key developmental years for me. Like, um, we had an eighth-grade coach uh, by the name of, uh, of Chuck Edson that he had been the varsity assistant for um, a long time, super, super successful high school coach at Forest City. And then, you know, was one of his, I think, the all-time wins leader in, in the state of Iowa, uh, Bob wow. Homer. Wow. But he was his assistant coach for varsity for a long time. Well, when Coach Homer left, um, Coach Edson became the eighth grade coach. And so he instilled all of our, you know, plays that we ran throughout high school to us in eighth grade. Wow. And so he really, really did a good job of explaining and teaching us the game, uh, you know, with stuff. And so, you know, I, I enjoyed basketball. I loved it. I thought I had a decent basketball IQ, but it really, really grew because of him. Um, and, and, you know, he was a semi-legend for us. He had three undefeated seasons. Like, we, you, you didn't want to be the team that lost the game in eighth grade because Coach Edson <laughs> had never done it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, then it funneled into the high school. Uh, with, with Dan Rosacker, my high school coach, um, who's won a ton of conference championships at our school and, and had a ton of success and, you know, just continued to develop, you know, a basketball IQ and, and just understanding of the game, um, you know, that way. And, and also learn, uh, I learned from him, and I'm kind of like this myself, like, you let your good players play. Like, you let your good players be who they are. Um you know, with things that I was fortunate by the time I got to be a junior, senior, I got to shoot the ball a lot and, and make some shots and, and some stuff that way. So I was really, really fortunate in, in, you know, late middle school and then all through high school to, to be coached by two really, really good coaches. Um, I then went to St. Cloud State, a Division two school in Minnesota, uh, and played for Kevin Schlegel, who um, is – uh, it has been a huge mentor for me. Like he is who I wanted to be as a coach, as far as how he treats people, um, the way he goes about his business, and just kind of the type of person uh, that he is. Not to mention, he was a really good basketball coach. Um, you know, with things. And uh, I was fortunate; I started coaching AAU basketball during that time too. So now I could think the game as a coach a little bit more, uh, even when I was on the court. Like. I always thought the game pretty well. I had a pretty good basketball IQ. I was kind of a point guard growing up before I turned into more of a scorer. Um, but the coaching helped that significantly more because I saw the other side of it while still being on the court, yeah. um, you know, with things. And so I think that helped me a lot, um, you know, as well. Just, you know, and, and at St. Cloud State, we, we had a lot of success too um, there. So, like, I was really, really fortunate that, uh, I was around some really great coaches and, and had some great playing experiences, which only further helped solidify, you know, my love for the game and, and what, what I wanted to do and making this a profession. That's great, man. Now, you talk about, you know, from your eighth grade year all the way through college, man. Like, that's an experience when you can, here again, continue to develop your IQ, kind of hone your, your skill set as well, and then you learn how to treat people right. Like, you put that together, man, and that's kind of the recipe for success. No matter how many games you win or how many games you lose, it just seems like that's 
that's the secret sauce right there. You know, help. Do, no, help. But yeah. No, yeah. 100%. And that's why, like, I know this is a question down the road here, but like, that's how I got this job is yeah. by treating people well. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that uh, I, any coach listening right now who just is maybe struggling and not understanding some things, look at that component of what you're doing. If you're not treating people well, even if they're not treating you well, get over it and treat people well because you never know who you're going to need. You never know who's going to have to go to bat for you. You never know who the, your boss or the next boss is going to reach out to and say, what do you think about them? Who are they really, who they really are? They ask the janitor, hey, every time you come in and clean, how's the coach reacting to you? How's he reacted to you in the past? You know, stuff like that, man. So that's, it's, it's solid stuff. And it's, and it's a good thing that you were able to experience that now. As far as, you know, you talk a little bit about the coaching influences in your life. Would you say they were more of the reason why you got into the to the coaching profession or was it just your playing days were over? It was time to transition. Um, so, you know, coaching AAU in college just kind of solidified for me. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Gotcha. Um, and the line that I used to tell people, so like, I was a, I was a good role player is what I would say in college. I was a shooter. Um, so I was a good role player and my comment, uh, in college was there's a lot of six foot white guys that want to go play in Europe <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people that are like me that want this opportunity. It's really hard to get into coaching. And so I, I decided to get into coaching, um, early at the end of the day. And so that was, that was a big part of it. I just kind of, I, I think I'm fairly self-aware at times and, and I was kind of really aware in that moment that there's a lot of people and it's going to be really tough. And, you know, my playing days were fun. It was great, but I, I really was excited about becoming a coach and getting into college basketball coaching and decided to take that path instead of trying to pursue, you know, continuing to play. I think also too, coach, cause you could see the, the fruits of your labor and how they would kind of come to fruition. If you had success, if you were, you know, you were a decent player, uh, you had success at the D2 level. I mean, you could see that kind of all evolve without having, you know, the maybe the pressures of Division One. you know, because it's a business too. You know, you didn't have that experience where it was like there was pressure to win all the time. Yeah, there was self-imposed and, of course, your coaches don't want to lose, but you had a kind of a, a, a clear idea of what the menu was for you. It was like, I can't go play. You said being self-aware, that's huge. Like self-awareness, if we all just apply that or can grasp onto that, uh, we'll know what moves to make. Because sometimes we get caught up in, what do I do? What do I do? Well, what are you good at, first of all? And then go from there. And and what are you? What is what have you passed your time with? You're like, okay, basketball, done with, time to move on. It's great, man. Really good stuff. And then to be able to get the opportunity to do the here again the AAU route, you can see what that's about, and, and that that's a good taste of kind of, you know, it's kind of it's it's kind of one of those things where you get to have you get to coach some pretty good kids, and then you started back with uh, there at uh, where you played to coach, correct? Yeah, yep, yep. I became uh, the GA second assistant there uh, that first year, and the challenge with that was like both were all my teammates. I was the only senior in my senior year. So, like, I was coaching all my buddies, like, <laughs> and so, like, it's crazy. separating the two uh, was was tough, but I, I went to the extreme, and, um, 
to make sure they, they saw me as a coach at that time. And, like, I'm literally coaching my roommates from the year before. <laughs> um, unfortunately, just kind of how I carried myself and the person I was, they, they respected me and respected that. And, um, you know, we had a really, you know, great season, you know, that year. Yeah. Now, now that's important what you said. You and you're again treating, it goes back to treating people well. Uh, you know, being able to get that buy-in from your teammates and separating kind of your friendship uh, with who you are now, you know? So my next question kind of leads into that. Coach, do you recall a memorable moment of like your first year coaching in that you realized, like, I'm not a player anymore. Like, this is it. Like, now I have to, you know, maybe bring a little bit of discipline, uh, accountability, whatever I have to do. Is there anything that you remember very clearly where you, you came to that realization that, hey, I'm not a player anymore? Um, it's not so, I guess the one thing uh, that sticks out to my mind that first year, there's, there's two of them, but the one kind of like the, oh, I'm not a player anymore, is uh, we're working on a press break, you know, and, and stuff like that. And I was a guard, and I'm working with the guard. Mm-hmm. And I talk to one of my teammates, and I tell him, like, hey, like, there's something about working how to get open yeah. uh, with it. And I, and I taught him something, you know, real quick on the fly, and he looked at me like, you didn't used to do that. And I was like, no, I did, but it worked. It, you know, it worked yeah. for me. This night. Yeah. Like, you didn't used to do that. I was like, no, man, I'm a lot smarter coach than I am a player, I guess. And like, I walked off the sideline and everybody's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, that's like kind of where I, I earned the respect as a coach, coach, um, you know, from my teammates. Like, they respected me. They knew I already had, a, you know, a decent basketball IQ. I knew, um, you know, what our program was about now that was where like, Oh, he actually knows like coaching stuff, like something us as players, like, you know, don't even know yet. And so that was something that was really memorable. Um, but then the other one for me was, so our first game as a, uh, as a coach for me was against our crosstown rival. That was a division three to St. John's college up in, uh, collegeville, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And it was the first game of the year, and I I had to scout them live mm-hmm. with it. And my my co- other coaches weren't able to be there. We weren't able to get any film, and they changed their offense. They had had a long time <laughs> that coach that was a motion guy. That was, yeah. Well, they changed their offense to dribble drive. Wow. And so here I am as a coach trying to explain to my my head coach like. Coach, like this is what they're going to do. Like they're not, they're not moving the ball much. Like they're it's yeah. dribble drive, it's this or that, you know, and everything like that. And he's like, okay, like he believes me, but at the same time, like I mean, this is a big game for us. We don't want to lose to our crosstown rival that's a, a level lower than us. You know, all that stuff that plays into it. Yeah, yeah. And during the national anthem, I have never been more nervous <laughs> in my life. Yeah, <laughs> never been more nervous in that's my funny. life. Yeah. We end up winning by 30, and he tells Whoa. me, great job on the scout, and I've never, like, that was, like, was, that just was the best feeling in the world. Yeah, man. Like, he... I, I had the scout down to a T off a live scout, seeing him one time, and each player who they were personnel-wise, we end up winning by 30 at their place. Uh, it, and that one felt really, really good. I'll be honest with you. That's, like, my come-to-coaching thing I really remember. <laughs> you know, Coach, you're saying a lot in that, and I think a lot of people listening – they don't, they don't really, well, most of our listeners do know 
about how the art of scouting plays such an integral role in whatever you're going to do for that next game or you know, the game down the road and that if that scout is accurate enough, I don't care if you're a dobo or whoever you are, the assistant, the, the first assistant, third assistant, whatever, you're going to get some credit for that win. Like if you were solid in your, in, in your evaluation and like, now to hear that from your, your head coach, Hey, yeah, good job, man. That, that makes you feel like it validates you being on the staff basically, you know? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I think guys are always looking for validation as assistants or GAs or anything, you know, the managers yep. are looking for validation because they want to be, yep. they want to feel like I'm a part of this program. I'm not just here to like do everything cause I'll do anything, but I want to know that like my voice is being heard. And you earn that with doing a good scout. You earn that with, you know, staying and rebounding for guys and working with guys, like all that stuff. So that's a great, that's a great story, man. Fantastic, man. So, yeah. So now I want to ask the national championship coach of Des Moines. I always say Des Moines. I don't know why. Des Moines Area Community College. All your previous stops, coach, What? how did they lead you to a national championship? Like, because it's not something that you can just say, yeah, we have a really good team and that's all it was. Because to be sure, you need great players to win a national championship. But what what did your previous experiences and stops, how'd they prepare you for this? Uh, a couple different ways. I was fortunate that I had to do everything at all the different, all the different places I was, had been at eventually made me do everything that a head coach needs to do. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like yeah. my time as a division two assistant, you have to scout, you have to recruit, you have to cut up film. You have to do anything and everything that the job entails. Um, my time as a, as a director of basketball operations, like I got to see what my head coaches day to day looks like, yeah. you know, with things and the outside stuff that maybe you don't see. Like, I got to work with him closely on, like, the non-basketball stuff, you know, with things. Um, at Chicago State, it was kind of the same thing. Like, I had to do op stuff. I had to recruit. I had to, you know, do player development. Like, you had to do everything again. Yeah. Um, and so it, it really, you know, made you cut your teeth so you kind of knew what to be ready for, you know, at the junior college level. Um, you know, because I, I had been there for like six weeks before I got to Chicago State. I had had a short stint at uh, at JUCO, but like all the other stops had prepared me for it. You know, too. Um, and, and then the, the other one. This is going to sound really weird, but I'm a firm believer of this. Like, I unfortunately because of some previous stops and stuff that there's a ton of ways, in my opinion, to win basketball games. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton of ways to lose basketball games, <laughs> and so. I knew what losing, like what losing teams did, what losing you know players and, and yeah. stuff like that did at the end of the day. Yeah. And so my goal has been with my own program, like cut those habits out, like wow. teach them how to cut those habits out and cut those things out of their lives, their basketball, you know, skills, you know, and that type of stuff to help them be, you know, winning basketball players. Uh, you know, and also help our program win. Uh, so that's where just learning, you know, a lot of different things at, at a young age and, and 
doing for working for different bosses that were, you know, allowed me to, I, uh, Coach Miles, uh, Tim Miles, now at San Jose State, once said this, and I, I think there's a lot of truth to it. Like, someone asked him once, like, who his biggest mentor was, and he said, Luke. Mm. And I really do believe there's yeah. something to that at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. I really do believe it because there's there's certain qualities in losing teams and programs and stuff like that um, that are there. And so my goal is to try to cut that out as much as we can here. Yeah. You know, Coach, I've been very fortunate uh, for the majority of my career to be a head coach. The one – I think I was I was an assistant for two seasons – one season I was a head coach, uh, an assistant coach, and we didn't have a good year, right? Not because I wasn't the head coach. Like, I'm not saying that, but, I, I, <laughs> but but maybe. I don't know. But I learned a lot that year. Like, I learned so much, but because of us, I saw what not to do. I saw what you're talking about, the bad habits, how to cut out the bad habits, how, how, how a, a group of kids or a group of people can think, well, I got to do this to win because that's what my so-and-so told me. And that's what I learned. Like, I got to have the ball in my hands to be able to affect the team and bring us to a W when in reality there's so much more you can do. So I love everything you're saying, Coach, because it's true. It's like, man, if we if you hear again, this is why I ask these questions, man, because they're so informative and they give you a look into how if you take care of just we don't know. You may not know your identity, but just know what you don't want to be known for. <laughs> don't, you know, yeah, know, no, for sure. Yeah, don't 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 do that. Don't do that. You know, and uh, and I think that that served that served you well, obviously. And then I look at your, you know, you're talking about your background and your journey as far as where you've been, and you kind of did it backwards. Like most guys start off at the JUCO level, doing everything. So then when they get to the division, whatever level, they're like, yeah. And then I got to kind of just ha- I only had to do this, and I, it was great. You know, like wow, like you went <laughs> you went the other way, which is amazing. And then, of course, it, it, it helps you to understand, like, that everybody says there's levels to this. Yeah, there truly is. But there's a level, level of work ethic, too. There's a level of uh, knowledge and know-how and experience. And for you to get that at such a young age and, and to be – because 31, man, that I'm, I mean, that's young to me. And uh, definitely heading the right path and to already have won a national championship now. Like you gave us that 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 blueprint of how you did it, and I, anybody listening who wants maybe something similar or just to get you yourself started, that's it right there, man. Like, pay attention to the, the those things that cutting out bad habits. That's a huge one, man. So I love that you started with that. Like, amazing stuff. Now, coach, the JUCO experience. Like, I can't I can't give JUCO coaches enough credit for what you know that experience brings. Because it's not it's not this beautiful, you know, everybody gets the great facilities, everybody flies charter, everybody, you know, it's not division one, it's nothing like that. So what would you tell coach who's saying, I want to start, you know, college coaching, but I'm gonna start at the JUCO level? What would you tell a coach to that that what would prepare them for that experience? That's a great question. Um I would say you know, just being able to, to work with kids that are at a really, really high level, you know, we don't have time restrictions, you know, with our guys. Yeah. Thing. But, like, you, it, you, it really needs to be uh, a 24-7 job for you more than, than anywhere before. So, like, you 
really understand um, the time commitment that that's going to come about it with things because you might have guys that want to get in the gym at 11 o'clock at night and it's yeah. probably really good for them to be in the gym at 11 o'clock at night you know instead of out doing other stuff for sure um, with things like you're gonna have to learn how to do scouting reports you're gonna have to learn how to coach on the floor you're gonna have to do laundry afterwards like I mean, I'll be honest. With you, I had to, I had to do our game jersey laundry this morning, uh, you know, with things and um, stuff. But, but you have to put your ego aside and be willing to do all that stuff. Because if you have an ego about, oh, I don't, I, I don't need to do that or I don't need to do this, then you're not going to be successful at, at the end of the day. Because yeah. it's about putting your ego aside and being there for your players and being there for your coach, um, your head coach, and and doing whatever is needed for the program to be successful. Yeah, and I think that here again, putting your ego aside, you you talking about how you're doing the laundry. I think here again, any coaches at that level that are looking to make that transition to the college game, not there's no job too small for you. If you have that concept and you leave your ego somewhere where you can pick it back up because you're gonna need it when you get out in the real world, where where nobody may like you and you feel like everything's coming up against you, you're gonna need that confidence and that ego, but while you're there, humble yourself to do the things that you need to do so you can be the impact player that you need to be for your team. And I think that's great, man. Uh, I love that you're saying that because here again, after winning a national championship, I don't know if I'd be so humble to be like, all right, let me get these guys' jerseys in there. Where's the Clorox or the Tide? Let's throw that in there. <laughs> I just don't know if I'd be that way. And then to hear you say that, Coach, is refreshing uh, to, to, a, to a large extent. So... Great stuff, man. Now, COVID, the, the 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 delayed start, all that stuff that you guys had to deal with this season. How did you prepare your players for a season different like this? Like, how did you go about that? Yeah, um, so we, we try to do it from the mental standpoint and then the physical standpoint with things. The mental standpoint, we started much, much earlier probably than the physical standpoint. Yeah. Um, because we talked about it right away from the get-go and I just I use the reference we just call them curveballs yeah. at the end of the day and yeah. we talked about it guys this year we're going to get more curveballs thrown at us than ever before because there is so much unknown as we all know yeah um, now like if you would have told me in August we'd be here and every you know we missed one game due to COVID that's it all wow. year you know we were able to play our whole national tournament like we were able to play our whole season, all this different stuff. Like, I don't know if I would have believed you uh, at the end of the day. And so you're going to face adversity, and it's just a matter of how you handle that adversity. Yeah. And so from the mental standpoint, we tried to do some different things to, to throw curveballs at our guys on purpose to try to, you know, make sure we're developing that mental toughness that we needed to and that maintaining our composure throughout whatever was thrown at us. Yeah. Um, Thing. And ultimately, you know, that that helps you on the court at a high level and it helps us in the national championship game in a big way. Yeah. Um, you know, with things. So that mental training, just the mental toughness, being able to, you know, handle adversity um, was, was huge for us. Uh, and then from the physical side of it, like, you know, we've been working out since August because we, that was their way to get out of their apartment. Um, with things. Yeah. We were pretty isolated early on at our school. Like, we were all virtual classes. 
um, we couldn't really use the building outside of weight or the gym. Yeah. And so, like, I never wanted to cancel basketball stuff because that was their release, yeah. you know, at the time um, with things. So, you know, we've been working not crazy hard necessarily since August, but we've been working since August. So we did a lot of open gym stuff. We talked early about our, our offensive concepts and stuff, so that way they could use it in open gym a little bit. Yeah. and learn how to play off of each other and what we wanted to do. Um, once we got our, our 60 days um, in in the fall, we, we started a, we called it Identity Week, where now all of a sudden, you know, we knew we needed to be a really good defensive team to, you know, win our league and, and to compete at the national level and stuff like that. So in Identity Week, it was basically all defensive drills. We were, we were putting in our defensive concepts that week. Uh, the thing, and then we started kind of practicing. Then after you know full practice again, uh, but we didn't start until the middle of October, uh, really with with that stuff. You know because we got our sixty days, we got done uh, around December first, and then we had two more weeks to just kind of work out uh, before they went home for Christmas break. Yeah. And then we got back and we we had our. Day period that we could work out with our guys, and um, our school had some restrictions there uh, that ultimately I think were really good for me as a first time head coach. Yeah. So, you know, we're coming back from Christmas break, and uh, it started out I could only work with uh, guys in their apartment groups. We have we have four bedroom apartments on our campus, so only roommates could work out together uh, yeah. for, for two days. Then we could bring two apartments together to like eight people. For three days, and then we could go full team after about five days, uh, five or six days, and that was great for me as a coach because it made me uh, progress into what we were doing. More than likely, um, just knowing myself now, like I probably would have lasted us early, and probably would have gotten more frustrated with how out of shape we were, this mm-hmm. and that, and all that stuff in those early days. Yeah. So instead, we were able to do conditioning individual workouts for two days and that helped our guys kind of get back into some shape yeah. uh, with things. Then we were able to do small group workouts. So we could do eight people workouts. So we could do like our four on four shells. We could run through five on O offense. We could do some of that stuff. So it was a great kind of progression into um, getting back to team practices. Um, you know, and then we ended up being the number one team in the country, the number one team in the country, the first game of the year. So, I mean, I can't alter how we did it. I thought it worked out pretty well uh, for us. So that's just kind of how things were different. Is just, you know, the restrictions that were given to you kind of threw off your normal plans. But I think we, we you know, again, used those curveballs that were thrown at us pretty well and handled them well. And, you know, we had success because of it. Yeah, that's great, man. Identity week. I like that. I'm going to steal that. I like that a whole lot. Yeah, I just didn't want, I don't like, like, I steal stuff from other people. Yeah. But, like, the boot camp thing, I love. Like, I love Buzz yeah. Williams and boot camp and, yeah. and all that stuff. But I was like, I was being kind of a hard head. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not stealing boot camp. I'm not stealing boot camp. And uh, I remembered uh, Steve Forbes. He's a native Iowa guy and a, a guy that's a, a mentor that he doesn't even realize he's a mentor of mine just with his path and who he is as a coach and stuff like that. And uh, he 
talked a ton about identity. Like you have to establish an identity before mm-hmm. you can establish a culture. For sure. And that really hit home to me. And I think it's a hundred percent true. And so that's what like, no man, like we're going to establish our identity that week. It's not going to be boot camp. No, it's going to be identity week where we establish our defensive principles and all that stuff. And so that's kind of where that came. That's fantastic, man, because this is what I teach young people all the time. If you know your identity, there's nothing or anyone, not even your mom and your dad, that can you not knock you off that path that you know you're supposed to be on. Like, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't ever want to speak against, you know, how parents are raising their kids, but sometimes if a kid already knows or a young man already knows, a young lady already knows their identity, you know, because it goes deeper for me than that, but your identity, if you have that figured out, whether you win games or you lose games, you're still focused on who you are. It doesn't change. It, it doesn't change if somebody has a write-up about you or your team. It doesn't change. Your identity stays the same. If everybody pats you on the back and tells you you're the greatest thing since sliced bread and tells you, hey, you know you guys can win a, a national championship, you're like, yeah, but we're still focused on who we are and what we got to do. Like, We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And then, of course, you win a national championship. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot oh, of sense. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you kind of touched on something a little bit too. Like, that was our, that was our mantra the week before and like at the national tournament. Like, our thing was who we are is good enough to get us where we want to go. Yeah. And our goal was obviously to win a national championship. But like, who we are is good enough. That's what we said. And, and obviously, some of that is to try to make sure our players relax and don't try to do too much and, mm. and everything like that. But also just like who we are as a basketball team yeah. is good enough to, to win a national championship. And it ended up being true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, coach, you you give the you give the young men all the I say kids, but they're not kids, they're men. When you give these young men all this like bulletin board material and you you're one of the few men on planet Earth to ever make sure it comes to fruition, like the national championship. Like, hey guys, we're gonna win it all. You know, we all love to say that, but then we don't all win it. There's only the few that can. And I can't even imagine how elated you were <laughs> to actually look back and say, hey, every time I told them we could win a championship and then we actually did it, it made me look a lot smarter than I thought I was, man. This is good. Hey, hey, <laughs> I, I say this all the time, man. My players make me look way better as a coach than I actually am. Yeah. There's no doubt about that yeah. whatsoever. It yeah. comes down to them. They make me look way better than I am. Yeah. Uh, with I concur, man. I completely agree, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, Coach, I, I, I you're talking about identity, stuff like that, you know, curveballs, making sure they were ready mentally. I want you to give me some key words that would describe your journey this year and then kind of explain to me why you would use those words to describe kind of what all took place to get to that national championship. Yeah, um, this was one that I, I really, really had to think about this one um, here. This is a, this is a great question. Um, so the first one I thought of was uh, just like, obviously it's super, it, it's surreal right now at the end of the day, just this whole year. Yeah, like yeah. we start off beating the number one team in the country. Um, we, we beat one of the division one junior college powers in the country at their place at Indian Hills. Wow. Um, wow. And then ultimately, like, to win a national championship this year uh, with everything that went on, it's just unbelievable. It's just surreal at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, good stuff. So that, that's one um, that I really, really think 
about. Obviously, challenging is another one. Just all the different stuff that COVID threw at us, um, you know, was was really challenging um, with stuff. And, and that's for coaches at every level. Like you, you, you know, you talk to a ton of different people. It, it's been a tiring year. At the end of the day, it's been fun, but it's been a long, tiring year. Um, yeah. So challenging, you know, definitely. Uh, but then the last one, I would say, it's just you know, opportunity. You know, and I overuse this word a ton with my team. They probably make fun of me about it behind my back as they should. <laughs> but we talk about we talk about opportunities all the time. You know, every game is an opportunity. Yeah. Um, we had a young man who uh, came to us in January. Who he was supposed to go to a, a Maricopa County Junior College, mm-hmm. and he got his season taken away from him December twentieth. I think that date might be wrong, but late December. He got his season taken away from him. And uh, we were really fortunate, you know, that he wanted to come play for us this year. Uh, but it just kind of reminded me, like, hey, like, we get to play. We get an opportunity two nights a week to play basketball. We get an opportunity to practice, you know, every single day. Uh, we got an opportunity to play in the national tournament. So, like, just opportunity. Me, being a first-time head coach, like, I had an AD that, that believed in me and gave me an opportunity, you know, when not a lot of people would have at the end of the day. Like, I had, you know, come from a, a school that, you know, hadn't won a lot of games the two years I was there. And there's a lot of different factors to it, but, you know, it takes a, a true leader and a, and a guy to take a chance on a guy like me. And so I wanted to make the most of the opportunity myself. Uh, and so opportunity is probably the biggest one, you know, all year that we try to use consistently. Yeah, and you took you took full advantage of your opportunity, Coach. You know, I you 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 said you've already mentioned it a couple of times about being a first year head coach. That is mind boggling. You talk about surreal. Like it's I'm just I want to tell you straight up, Coach. In case you haven't figured it out, it's probably not going to be like this every year as a head coach. But yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm strongly considering retirement. Like if I was really smart, I'd retire. But Go out I, on top. I, no one's ever gonna. Yeah. No one's ever going to claim I'm smart. So. <laughs> Go out on top, man. I mean, that's that's mind-boggling to me how you could be a first-year head coach and then win a national championship at the JUCO level. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's wild, it, it man. Didn't, yeah, it didn't hit. Like, when we got control of the game, had like a 10-point-ish lead with about two minutes to go, and the clock moved fairly fast, thankfully. And it kind of was like, holy cow, like, this is actually going to happen. <laughs> and then it, it, it was, then we started front end, you know, like front rim, back rim, ball goes in on free throws. And like every single one, I was hanging by the, <laughs> I, I was, I was more emotional and animated than I normally am on the side. Like Brandon Goble was actually making fun of me. <laughs> We're up 13 points with seven seconds to go. And uh, they make a layup or whatever, you know, we still continue to play, but, there was 1.2 seconds left and we inbound the ball and the clock doesn't start. And like, I, there's a video of me like throwing my hands up, like all this different stuff. (laughs) And he's just making fun. He's like, are you really like doing that? (laughs) Like, I was like, yeah, Uh, man, like to the very end, I wasn't comfortable until the clock hit zero, (laughs) even though it was still like 11, 11 point game or whatever. It's just, yeah. Fortunately, that's kind of how I'm wired. I've seen too many bad things happen that, yeah. uh, you know, and all that stuff. That, that was classic, man. I saw I saw you retweet that 
from Brandon's uh, well, you said you tagged him on that on that video. That's so funny, man. Like I thought that too. Yeah, I, thought, I, I, I know how he's feeling, so I, I get it. Yeah, and I couldn't remember why. Like at first, when he told me about it, I'm like, yeah, like why was I so worked up? And then I remembered, <laughs> like the clock didn't start. Like we inbounded the ball, and the clock didn't start. I was like, dude, get to zero, please. <laughs> Uh, with stuff, so no, it was uh, it's, it's funny when you sit back now and look at it, but yeah, but yeah, no, that was that was a good one. Yeah, it almost looked like you sure this guy's about to win a national championship. What's wrong with it? Right, yeah, you wouldn't think it's an 11 point game either. Like, I'm like, yeah, no, it was, was like my guys are like holding back, ready to run on the court, and here I am, like, dude, what do we do? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, probably me to a T right there. That's great stuff, coach. That's that's so pure, man, pure stuff now. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about how you mentally prepared your team. And I guess now you get a better gauge of now how to mentally, you know, take a team from one place and bring them to, you know, a place of, you know, national championship caliber, if you will. But how important is the mental, your mental health, your staff's mental health and the team as well? Like, yeah, how important is that now moving forward? Yeah, it, it's huge at the end of the day. And, and it's, it's great that, you know, everyone's mental health is becoming more, um, you know, more at the front of you know, people's uh, thought process yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Because it's so important. Like, I think uh, I think back to me as a player, um, you know, with things. I think back to as a coach. Um, one of my good friends is Mahmoud Abdel Fattah, who's the head coach of the Rio Grande Valley Pipers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was my yeah. college roommate, and he's one of my best friends. I know what you're talking and about. And he and I talk yeah. about this all the all the time. Like the NBA talks about, like if your life's a mess on the court, it's really hard to be good. Or if your life's a mess off the court, it's really for you to be good on the court. And I think mental health is exactly that way. Um, yeah. With stuff, if your if your head's all over the place, you know, mentally, it's really hard for you to be the best player that you can be. Um, you know, on the court. And we, especially this COVID year, like we were very um, cognizant of that, you know, all year uh, or as much as we could because of the isolation, you know, because of all the different stuff. Like that's why I talked about, like I never wanted to take the gym away from the guys because that was like their time, you know, away from, you know, homework, you know, family, whatever is going on there because that was my release. Uh, and as a, as a young kid, so like I, I understood what it meant to them. Um, but uh, I think it's just super, super important. You know, I probably don't do a great job of my physical health uh, as much, you know, during the season, uh, yeah. to say, but the, the mental side of it, I, I try to keep myself as level-headed uh, as I possibly can because I've seen when I don't, the, the places that it kind of takes me to uh, emotionally and and really just not a fan of who I am when that's the case. Yeah, no, that's, it's so true. I like what you're talking about as far as how the impact on the players that that the game became or practices or going to lift weights became their release. Like, we, we I think as a whole, we've lost focus on that. That's what the game was always supposed to be. The game was suppo- wasn't supposed to be their whole life. And, and then now we, we experience this thing where it can be taken away at any moment. And now are we, are we aware? Are we mindful? You know, that's a big word right now. 
are we being mindful of the fact that hey this is way more this is way more heavy than just a game like we really got to put things into perspective because they're 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 there for four years okay you know for the most part well with you too so it's like hey let's get let's get a handle on why we're really doing what we're doing here let's not uh pretend that they're here for our you know for our pleasure for whatever we want them to do let's make their experience one that is like phenomenal and so yeah i'm i'm, I'm so i'm glad to hear you say what you said cuz i think moving forward this is what covid's taught us how important people are how important the overall program is and how it involves people that the program doesn't exist without people <laughs> so if you think well, I, got, I got i got a program i got a program well good but who the heck wants to be there if you're not doing the right things for them and and with them so great stuff yeah man. No, really no, good thank stuff you. and that's one thing too like kind of going back on it like i mentioned we didn't start like our 60 days of practice or whatever until later october like in the fall we were really really kind of cooped up and isolated and mm-hmm. so like i want i never wanted the gym at that time like to not be a relief yeah. and so i didn't i tried to not really really coach coach guys or like get on guys during that time either because i i wanted it to be fun i didn't want it to be something that they dread because yeah. we all know at some point in time unfortunately as players like in college or or high school like you're gonna hit some type of adversity where all of a sudden basketball may not be fun yeah necessarily and so if it's not fun for you and now you're going back into uh an apartment by yourself for the next 22 hours like that's not good for your mental health by any means and i just kind of thought back to my difficult time as a freshman in college and you know what i went through and, and tried to not create that you know during the fall uh, as much as we could at the end of the day. No, that's great. That's a that's a very good uh, kind of a commentary on how empathy works, <laughs> how it really does work. Like you got to put yourself in their shoes and maybe not in every aspect of life, but in that one, you got to think, why, why are they, why are they here for? What are they here for? Why are they doing what they're doing here? And then you you remember you revert back to hey why why was I there when I was doing what I was doing how would I have reacted in a situation like this and so yeah man that, that's such a such a great uh, kind of here again concept for us moving forward of how to really approach the game now your support system coach I, 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 every coach needs one because we're 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 always especially with the head coach you're the CEO you're the one that everybody comes to look for. You're the one the AD needs answers, the, the president, whoever, you know, professors, everybody's going to be, hey, these are your guys. What's going on with you? But you need your own support system. How important is that to you, coach? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's huge at the end of the day. Um, you know, obviously my wife is a, is a huge thing uh, for me personally. Like, she's a school psychologist, so Ooh. like psychological aspect of it, especially this year, was huge. Yeah, a ton of different stuff on her, um, you know, with things. So she's she's a big one from the, you know, she was a college athlete as well, but now you know she's a psychologist. So it's, it's great for me to be able to bounce things off of her um, and thoughts like that on the mental side of things. Yeah, um, you know, kind of like having your own little mental coach uh, with stuff. But um, you know, then I have I have two 
Matt Merkin at Minot State and then Pat Everhart at Nebraska Omaha uh, are guys that I, I can call just about any time, you know, and, and just be able to talk to and, and bounce off of things. And um, it, it, it's huge for me, especially as a first time head coach, just because there's different stuff that I've, you know, you always think you're ready for everything, you know, but at the end of the day, there's still something, especially in COVID. Like, yeah. there's stuff we've never dealt with before. So, uh, just being able to talk to them and bounce things off them is, is huge. Yeah, that's great, man. You know, your wife working in that space, man, that, that's going to be in demand in leaps and bounds within the next 10 years. Like her, whatever, whoever she's working with, wherever she's in, in a space of helping people is just going to grow. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not a prophet or anything, but I'm involved in the same space to a degree where I've done a lot of mental performance coaching with my psychology background and my counseling background. And so that space is just people really are going to need it. Uh, athletes are going to need it twofold. Uh, one for their own personal mental health and then for their performance and how it's affecting their performance and their identity, all those things, man. So I'm so glad to hear you have, you have your wife in your life, first of all. Second of all, she's able to kind of add that to the to the mix of y'all's relationship because it does matter man if happy wife happy life and that's my mom oh no doubt that's my mom yeah no no doubt about it. no doubt about it now i will say this i did a lot of psychology work with her myself when she was in grad school oh really yeah, so so <laughs> she, she had a tough time in grad school and i really? had to do a lot of psychology work myself but okay. she, she uh she's been a huge help that's, uh, awesome. that's for sure that's awesome man you know and, and that's what real relationships are is like where one person needs the other, you're there. And, uh, you know, that's that to me, that's a real, real good friendship relationship. So that's a great coach. Now I want to ask you about yourself because we're talking about how you're working with people, how you're teaching them, how you're instructing them, the things that you did and to, to help everybody kind of make sure the season, you know, went off with that, with the fewest amount of hitches as possible. But throughout your career, Coach, what have you learned about yourself? Uh, probably just how much I enjoy uh, serving others and, mm. and do this to help yeah. serve others. Like, I, I've thought about this um, over the last year. Obviously, during COVID, we had all sorts of time to think about a lot of stuff. Um, and I've always been in roles where, you know, like, as an assistant, like my job is to serve my head coach, serve the players, um, be there for the players. As an ops guy, obviously, you know, that's huge, um, you know, with things. And it just kind of reiterated to me that, you know, do this is to, is to be a servant leader and to serve others and to, and to help others. You know, obviously basketball is a great way to do it, um, you know, with things and, you know, um, yeah, like that's just kind of what I what I've learned, you know, kind of throughout my career. Obviously, there's a ton of X and O stuff and, and all that, but like that's kind of secondary at the end of the day. You know, I just kind of learned like this really, you know, because you want it, you want it to be maybe sometimes like when you're a young coach, you know, in your early stages, like you know, you you think you know why you want to do it, but then do your actions back it up. Yeah, and and you know, there was a lot of time to self reflect during COVID because like. I wasn't able to be there to physically help people necessarily, but like I've kind of learned over the course of, the, of my time and like thinking back, like I 
I created value for the most part, in my opinion, on staff because I was the guy people went to when they needed to get something done. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it because um, I felt valued. I felt like someone needed me, you know, and, and this and that, um, you know, but like I thought back to like, okay, well, like I was the guy that, you know, Hey, if they, you know, like the perfect example, one of the people that I worked with when I was an ops guy, I have all of his passwords to his different accounts and all that stuff on my phone because he always forgot so I created a, a, a shared note between us so he could remember his password. Because he would always go, hey, do you remember my password? Do you remember this? this you know, that type of stuff. And so, like, but that's serving others at the end of the day. And yeah. so once COVID hit and I wasn't around people as much, it just kind of reiterated, like, this is why I enjoyed it at the end of the day. Like, helping yeah. my coworkers, like, helping my boss, helping our players, you know, with stuff like that's why I do it is to, to serve others at the end of the day. That's great. And this kind of leads me to my next question because the, the servant leader is less about talking and more about acting. The servant leader understands that to have authority, mm-hmm. you have to learn to be under authority. The servant leader knows that there's no leadership without having been of service of some point at some point in their lives. Like, a leader doesn't mean I'm going to lead from the back and tell everybody what to do. The leader's going to take the lead and step in front and say, let's go. So like, I want to ask you coach, cause you kind of ran down, maybe you've been learning kind of your why. And so I'd ask you your why coach, why, why do you do what you do every morning when you wake up, you know, now, yeah, the national championship, that's, that's a great incentive to wake up because you're a national championship coach, but why do you do what you do, Coach? Yeah, just to, just to kind of help our players um, at, at the end of the day and, and our staff uh, and just help others. Like, one of my proudest things that I, I hope happens and I think is on the path to happen is for all of our sophomores to, to find four-year schools to transfer to. Yeah. Um, in a COVID year, I think that's a huge deal at the end of the day. For sure. Um, you know, with stuff. Uh, and so that's helping them, you know, continue to, to reach a path that, you know, they maybe didn't think was possible as two years ago. Like, we end up having a lot of kids that, well, my two of my best players this year, um, one of them had a Division three school that wanted him, mm-hmm. and the other one had a, a, a couple NAIs, maybe, and DMACs, and, and that was it. And now one of them signed uh, to North Dakota State, and the other nice. one has you know, five division two offers and some division one schools that are interested in like, those are the type of kids we get. And so this opportunity changes their lives and their, their path. Like one of my kids out of high school, he did, he was uncomfortable diving into how good he could be in basketball because he didn't realize how good he was. And now he's realized where basketball can take him and what it can do and the opportunities it can open up for him. And this is a small-town Iowa kid that probably has a chance, you know, to play professionally overseas and, and talks about it now. Like, wow. that's awesome. Like, that's wow. not something that happens, you know, to everybody. And I, I live that myself. Like, I get it because I was a small-town Iowa kid that, you know, I dreamed of playing college basketball, and I got opportunities uh, to do that that other people didn't. And so I see what the game can do for these kids. Uh, 
and want to be a, I, like I tell kids in recruiting and, and just our players, like I want to be a, a small piece of your sport at the end of the day uh, with things. And I want to be a piece of what helped you, you know, with, with, uh, with your career and, and your life and, and stuff like that. Wow. That's amazing, man. Like you're speaking to, I think what a lot of coaches when they first got into this, they either knew it right away or they didn't know it till later on said, wait, wait a minute, I can have this kind of impact, you know? And I think that's what you're saying is like impact, showing them the whole menu of what, maybe not the whole menu, but showing them a good men size menu of what the game can do for them because the game will use them physically. Yeah, they may walk away limping in their back or their knees mainly. Something's going to be aching and hurting. Uh, they may have to go back to the country they came from, you know, because we've got a lot of international players at the JUCO level too. And so it's like, what can this game do for you? Use it. Use me to help get you where you need to get. And I think that's the right mindset. That's the exact mindset that, that we need to have overall when we're serving uh, young people. Younger people, I should say. So, Coach, I really do appreciate that that perspective. Now, I want to ask you my last question is always about legacy, and you still got a long ways to go. Like, this is not, all right, Coach, you won the natty, now go home. Like, no, you still had a long ways to go. And so I'd ask you, Coach, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? Um, that, I, that I treated people the right way, that I was a good person. Um, and that I, I made an impact on on their life or, or on people's lives. Really. Yeah. No, man, that's fantastic. That's all you can, you know, here again, you keep it real simple. And the only thing, the complexities within that process are easily overcome because you remember why I'm here, what I'm doing, what the goal is. And it doesn't become so complex. It becomes real simple. So, Coach, here again, man, congratulations on the national championship. I can't, I can't congratulate you enough. This is, this is one of those things where nobody can take that away from me, man. It's fantastic. Now, uh, here again, your time is valuable, so I appreciate it, you taking the time and you making the time to be on. So thank you. Just for you to say those things is like the hairs on my arms are standing up. Like you were literally saying, am I good enough? Is this, is this, you know, questioning your ability, questioning whether you kind of, I guess, belonged in the, in the profession and there you go. So there, there's your answer coach. And so you're again, man, appreciate you and congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on.